the Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting for this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hoth. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Aaron Dew, a full-time property investor, part-time podcaster and personal trainer. He is someone who has had to deal with adversity and anxiety the majority of his life. Forced into careers he had no desire to even be part of, he is now financially free to control his own life and to pursue his own passion projects. The first is Find Your Voice podcast, which he shares stories of adversities from other people in the hope that listeners can take away the messages and change their own lives by regaining control of it, eliminating excuses and growing their mindset. An advocate for mental health and the importance of physical health too, he has recently continued his entrepreneurial journey with his wife in their new venture, Health Excel. Health Excel is an empowering brand aimed to educate you daily through its superfood blends, nutritional plans, gym programs and so much more. They're striving to make as many lives not only happier each and every day but educating them along the way by putting the odds in their favour through their superfood blend products and content. So welcome on to the show Aaron. Thank you for having me mate, it's a pleasure to be here. So beyond, and it's a privilege to have you on as well, uh, beyond the initial introduction I've given you, what little nugget would you like to share additionally to my audience? Um, so yeah, absolutely. So my journey, as you probably mentioned in the introduction, it's quite unorthodox. I've done quite a few different things. I've been in construction, boxing, social work, podcasting. And for me, it is literally the title of my own podcast, Find Your Voice, which you came on and you shared an incredible episode, by the way. Or, uh, and it is literally just finding your way in life. So people talk a lot about purpose. That's normally a common thing. What's your purpose? What's your why? And I always feel like, we kind of develop that as we go through life and providing that we can get that as close to our sort of moral compass as we kind of walk through life. And then that's where really our purpose kind of makes sense. So for me now, the podcasting thing, although it's not monetizing, although I haven't even thought about that aspect of it, I feel like that's my purpose because I'm able to bring impact. I'm able to affect people's lives through the interviews with people like yourself or other people that come on. I'm also finding my voice. I'm coming out of my comfort zone to be a guest on a show like your show it's it was initially something i'd never think about i'd always be like nah that, that's that's not for me um we're doing a video recording i've only just started video recording i think to, i think it was about december time so even that was very for somebody who's suffered with anxiety most of their life it was very very difficult so what i want to try and do is encourage people through the stories that i bring on and through my own sort of action on a daily basis that you only got to get better one percent a day which is your tagline isn't it it's, it's on your thing as well so that, yeah that's probably what i'd add what what obviously Aaron from and I'll come and I'll pose this from two perspectives now. Um, be it if we touch on the first point with find your voice as a podcast. Do you think obviously be it athlete or anybody entrepreneur or anybody in the general populace? Do you think it's easier now to 
give your own voice across in terms of your own opinions as so and using social media as that platform and i mean i mean constructively obviously yeah absolutely so one of the things and it's probably an imposter syndrome which we all go through was when you get people who are perceived or actually are doing amazing in life we tend to put ourselves lower and we think oh maybe we're maybe my thoughts or my perspective on this isn't worth it what you tend to do is when you when you strip everyone back and you just look at their values and, and who they are as people, we're all pretty much just normal human beings. Some of us, however, have just somehow focused in on an aspect and just focused on being 1% better every single day. For example, yourself, we spoke about it in terms of your athlete, athlete mindset, because I'm always interested with the top operators. And I'm thinking, how do you get to where you're getting through through all that them obstacles for all that hardship and stuff and it is a passion it becomes a purpose and i've recognized myself in anything i've really put my mind to i can improve on it and I, I truly believe that anyone listening to this whatever goal you have in life over a long enough period of time if you're willing to execute and just keep improving your skill set then your voice will be worth hearing and one thing i want to do is not kind of only say my voice as the final product in 10 years time when find your voice for example is what it is or my property business is what it is i want to show the whole journey so somebody can look back and say i he sounded quite nervous there or he messed up his words here and i'll be like well, well that's part of the journey but that's why now hopefully in 10 15 years time i sound a little bit better i'm a little bit more clearer with my answers so that's kind of what i want to say in terms of just answering your question there well so i think it's a learning process in terms of that and obviously this is something that i've been on shows more recently uh, as we're recording this week and this is something i didn't actually probably mention in your show ultimately i think it goes a step further than pa- a passion purpose i think it's belief it's ultimately uh i think in an athlete's mindset and this is something you can nick as well uh would be obviously they have a belief in terms of what I believe to be right, and you'll listen to naysayers, but obviously, if it's not productive, you'll dismiss it. It's like that doesn't serve a purpose. It's not. It's not aligned with my belief system, and that you could relate that to anything in terms of you know like negative thinking uh, versus positive thinking. When you are obviously in that mindset of positivity, you'll you'll very much be at one with being able to most of the time be able to dismiss those negative thoughts. And I, and I was reading somewhere, I think it was last week in Men's Health, which is a sports psychologist talking about neutral state of thinking, which is uh, looking at, and I'm going to contextualize this answer a little bit, in terms of looking at it specifically as what's happened in the past is done. You can't do anything about it. Be it if it's obviously normally it'd be negative in a sporting sense, you're losing. That's gone. Don't dwell upon it. Focus in the moment, yeah. and obviously execute stuff going forward. And it's it's easier said than done, yeah. but I think it's more realistic than you know in terms of people spouting about positive thinking all the time. Because for some people, it's un- an unrealistic goal to even attain because they don't see it working. Uh, the stuff that I've used to to exemplify that is the film cool runnings in terms of you know affirmation from that basis so people can picture Absolutely. i would assume probably 99 percent of my audience and, and people on yours would have seen that film at least once and can can picture what i'm talking about uh right here and now in terms of that's positive thinking right here in the here and now but i think for some people shouting out into a mirror 
doesn't always. I I did it when I was anxious last year. I was reciting that in the car inside my head. But for other people, that'd be even more difficult. So I think this neutral state of thinking. I don't think it's anything new, but obviously it's somebody putting it to the fore and obviously making it a little bit more mainstream. And I think that's most of where people are anyway. But I think coming back to obviously my second question I wanted to ask you in terms of that anxiety state, do you think it's built on the fear of public speaking then? For yours more specifically. Did you just say public speaking? It just cut out there. Y- yes. Yeah. So um, it's weird. I- I've been doing a lot of self-work in terms of finding my, when it actually happened, when did I become this anxious person, this shy person in the room? and it actually stemmed around the age of 11. So it was never public speaking. I was very confident as a child. I was in the school football team, younger than anyone else. I was in the choir, which was a completely diverse thing. I would do pretty much everything. I was like the most popular kid. When I went to secondary school, I went to a grammar school. So my parents forced me into the academic route because I could, mm-hmm. could look at things. And I could almost instantly remember them uh, growing up before I started drinking and my brain cells got affected. So because of that, I went to grammar school where I became from being the top at everything to almost the bottom because these people are, they've been working their whole lives for grammar school. I applied for grammar school two months before the deadline. So Mm -hmm. I did last minute tutoring, but I still got in. And so when I went there, it really affected my confidence a lot. And then what would happen is, and this is maybe just the way parenting and the people around me was, it was, I was never good enough. So I would always come home and I'd try my ass off. I've always tried to work my ass off wherever I can. And it was never good enough. And that, for me, I was probably the person who needed the arm around the shoulder. I really struggled with it. And touching on what you mentioned earlier, like the belief stuff, I didn't have that belief. I didn't have a blueprint in my life. I I never had no one in my family who had gone on to university and got a degree or a master's. I was the first one. So at that point, I was thinking, am I good enough? Am I capable enough of becoming who I need to become? And it just consumed me. And, and I haven't done enough work throughout the subsequent years, but it's, it's one of the most debilitating things in the world. And I don't wish it upon anyone. At the same time, I'm grateful that I've owned it and I, and I share it because as a result of it, it's helped me obviously connect with people like yourselves, get onto this podcast, share my own podcast. And the, just using your belief thing again, which I think was a brilliant point, by the way, I try and bring people on who have a blueprint of going through adversity suffering with something but then coming out the other side so then the person listening doesn't have an excuse i want to try and take away every single person's excuse a bit like myself so i know there's people on stage or people doing the things that i want to do who may be shy who may have been anxious who may not want to stand on the stage and i'm thinking well if they can do it why can't i do it i'm very able-bodied you know i'm very i'm very lucky i'm able to talk i'm able to have this conversation coherently listen and i think sometimes we, we take that for granted so in terms of just moving forward Anxiety still sits with me. It sits with me on a daily basis, but I'm very, very fortunate that when you have that fight, flight, freeze, appease, or befriend kind of moment, I tend to fight. That's always been in my nature. And I'm very grateful for that because if I had froze, maybe I wouldn't be a podcast host. Maybe I wouldn't be in property or doing the things that I'm doing. So that's all I encourage people is just try and see those blueprints, have that belief. If you don't have that natural mindset that, hold on, I don't need to listen to what you're saying. I'm already going to make it. Just look for episodes like this. Look for other people. Look for your idols, whoever they are. Read their books, follow their stories and just recognize that it's not all about their glory. You need to look at their story and within that story, you're going to find the trials, the tribulations that we've all been through. We all experience on a daily basis. But the difference is they chose to 
accept that and then move forward from it. I think you mentioned a great point there in terms of people thinking that they're going to make it. Ultimately, that's sabotage in itself because you are, you're kind of having been in a state of I can't try to think of the word an irrational state because ultimately you're going to face adversity. You mentioned me. I thought the sun shone the sun shone out my backside in, in sport in terms of. It wasn't all so. I, I paint it as a wonderful picture. It wasn't all sunshine and roses. In terms, even sport had its own stresses. So I, I know athletes listen to that and can agree with that because they know it, they live it, and they breathe it. I think it's the outside perspective looking in. They assume everything is perfect. It's like yes, I'm doing something that I enjoy. It's passionate, but there is still ultimate over, overall stress in terms of being cut uh, from from a team being whatever stage of, of that career being dropped the financial implications that have be it it doesn't matter what step be it professional if it's in the, the north america or it's lottery funding in the uk that is probably weighing on i would say maybe the middle of the road athlete to somebody that's borderline probably somebody that's at the top who's got the, the gold medal maybe not so much and they're yeah. probably still looking over their shoulder as you know, the next up and coming person, but in terms of being realistic that you're going to make it, if you've not faced adversity yet, it's just around the corner. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. So I think people need to be a little bit more realistic in terms of, yes, you've not, you've not faced any hardship, struggle or difficulty yet, but life's waiting for you. Absolutely. Life's going to, life's going to get us at some stage. Um, that's why initially, I, I suppose adversity for many of us, some of you who may not have been through it, I used to think you were fortunate. Now I think actually that's quite unfortunate because it's when adversity strikes, that's when you're able to develop your gift, you're able to build resilience, you're able to like move forward in whatever you want to do. And I suppose maybe that that was me in a nutshell up until the age of 11. Everything I touched was was gold. I was I could literally do my homework in three seconds because I'd remember a script and I'm off playing football straight away. Mm-hmm. I'm in the football team as a, as a year. I think I was like year. I was eight years old in a year eleven football team, which was unheard of. I was tiny, but I was just picking up things very, very easily. I did gymnastics. Everything just worked for me until adversity hit. Now, there's obviously a point when that adversity hit that I crumbled as well. So I did struggle for a lot of years where with self doubt and thinking I was I wasn't good enough. For example, moving forward. But in hindsight, now when I reflect, I embrace all these adversities that come in my way. When I see people die around me, and I've had a lot of adversity, which kind of made me start finding your voice, to be honest, because it changed my whole perception on what's important in life and moving forward. I've just become stronger and I'll go through the same circumstance in a similar way, but it doesn't affect me the same way because I've already learned how to deal with it somewhere else. And I'm just so much stronger. So now rather than dealing with level one problems, I'm dealing with level five or level six problems. And I'm excited to learn the level 10 problems. I know when I have it, I'm going to freak out and I'm going to think, ah, what's going on here? I'm going to get overwhelmed. I'll still get stressed. I'll get anxious. But then I also know that I can get over it. Providing it doesn't kill me, there's an opportunity for me to get over it. And and Aaron, you mentioned there that obviously you had the um, element of not having a shoulder to put around your support. Is, this, is it something that you, in later years that you've discussed that with your parents? I haven't, no. So I'm going on um, a, a podcast. It's about mental health. Um, and I actually had to write a biography in terms of what 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 my story was. And when I wrote it, it was almost therapeutic and like I was journaling it because I was explaining a bit about my life and as I wrote it 
I mentioned that exact point that I've just mentioned to yourself. And it struck a chord with me. I was like, oh my God, that was the moment where I really started to struggle. It was that, I suppose, relationship with my dad. Um, in my head, it was always me trying to make sure that I make him proud and make sure that I, he, he, I get his approval, basically. And throughout life, I never really felt I got that. And it was up until about probably the age of 25, 26, where I didn't need his approval anymore. I got it. So it was, it was weird because I was like, oh, if only you had given it me earlier, maybe I would have been a little bit more proactive and I would have done better things. But again, it taught me a lot that I had to kind of get my own approval first and foremost, if that makes sense. Because I'm sure many of us go through life and we're looking for that one person's not of approval. And sometimes you might not get that. I'm very grateful that my parents are both loving parents. There's no animosity or anything between like me and my parents. They raised me the best way they knew that they could raise me. For my dad, I think it was tough love. I think it was the fact that if you put an arm around me, I would have quit. I might have quit. I can't, I can't go back in hindsight and say anything. So I believe he did everything for the right reasons. I just know that now knowing my personality, maybe an arm around the shoulder or at least you tried kind of thing would have just helped me that little bit more. and probably made me less anxious. And I think you can go probably a step further. And this is somebody I, I'd been on their show recently. They were saying, well, I think it was, once I go on his show, yesterday, as we were recording this, and he was talking about people being able to push my buttons in terms of getting the, be able to get the best out of you. And he was saying, from listening to my answers, he put it down to, you know, doubt, pushing that button in terms of, uh, if we believe you can't do it, you then obviously overturn it to the opposite way and use it as motivation and thinking, okay. I, I think I still do to some some extent nowadays and, and look well people be skeptical of and I think it's more problematic in this day and age with stuff being online so people are skeptical because they've been hurt they've been manipulated and they've sort of sense been taken advantage of. so people are more guarded in terms of well that looks too good to be true and I think when you are vulnerable and kind of transparent I think they look to um be a little bit more open with it. Some maybe not so because they're dealing with something that even deeper or they still don't believe it. And it's like, well, okay, ultimately you can't change somebody's opinion from that basis. But it was interesting to hear that obviously somebody saying, Oh, that's your catalyst to, to want to evolve. I think obviously in moving over into the business sense, that's dangerous because that's competition and you've got to be careful how, you use it outside of a sporting realm. Obviously, it's gonna you, you kind of operate in a sense of negativity in sport because it gets the best out. So you need to be kind of Jekyll and Hyde, Beauty and the Beast kind of. You need to operate in in the darkness to be able to get the best out of yourself. Whereas I think in the real world, I think the opposite needs to be the case. You need to be uh, a little bit more uplifting and look at the being more positive more so than being in the middle or being there's enough negativity in the world and then you would add in additionally to that yeah i'd agree with that i think all of them are probably good in their own way so it's always good to have that tool set in terms of i've done personal training for about eight eight or nine years to fund my way through uh, university when i went back second time and i took those lessons that i've learned and the coaches that i was around i was grateful to be around Bob Dylan, who's a UK, a Great Britain coach. He's coached like Anthony Joshua, some of the greatest people. I've trained under uh, mixed martial artists, European champions and stuff. So I'd always look at people and think, how do they 
teach people? How do they coach people and try and be the best that I can be? So when I work with someone, sometimes it is a kick up the ass, get yourself into gear. You really need to start moving forward. You're, you're just being lazy. But then sometimes I can see that person's tired. Maybe they've had a stressful day. Maybe they haven't eaten right. And then it's a, okay, let's just try and just be a little bit better than yesterday. Let's just try and get some progress out of it. And I think that obviously helped my coaching and taking all those things in terms of knowing different leadership styles as well massively helped. That helped me in corporate world when I used to work as a project manager. Some people, if I don't, if I'm not on their case, they're not going to do the work. And I had to do that. And I didn't really like that. It wasn't my natural personality. Whereas some people, it's the more of the disappointment thing, or you just, you know, you want to, you want to pull on their heartstrings maybe a little bit or the emotional side to get them to move forward as well. So it's always good having those, but I think as individuals, we need to recognize what's the thing that's going to help us 80% of the time, because 10% of the time you, you give me a kick up the ass. I'm, I'm in the gym and I'm working out and I'm trying as hard as I can. But for the other 80%, I don't want to hear that because it's just going to make me almost rebel. So I think having all, all of those, in, at least in your arsenal, will help you. I think ultimately it's looking at the priorities and your purpose. I think I was talking to a gentleman last week about it. He'd lost his mojo or motivation um, for other people. And I was just talking to him. Yeah. Well, obviously, you've been doing sport for 25 years. He said it was an obsession. I didn't say that. I would say probably mine was to a certain degree so I could relate. So what's it going to take for the gym to be the same thing? And just talking to him, just giving ideas and solutions. Like, it's given me that fire to, to, I need to probe him and say, oh, did you go to the gym that day? If you didn't, <laughs> that's fair enough. It's, it's, it's it, obviously actions speak louder than words and everybody knows that. But it gave me the, the impetus to say, to kind of say, it doesn't matter even if you sign up, sign up or not to work with me. I've given you the t- the tools to kind of go ahead, and you've kind of got that fiery lit in you inside. To well, everything that I put in front of me, those are excuses. I need to find what is the exact motivator or belief in terms of what do I want to do? Why do I want to get into the gym? It could be health related. It could be uh, being there long term for your kids or grandkids it's look it's delving deeper into that as opposed to as you know working within that field in fitness the six pack getting fitter getting leaner that's not going to do anything for some people it will but from the majority that's not going to work it's not deep enough not enough not enough emotive connection i agree i think that's a great point just on the six pack thing as well so I got a six pack as a result of just hard work and dedication. Never in a million years did I ever want a six pack. Did I care about a six pack? I was never really conscious about my appearance to ever worry about it. And it's funny you you mentioned that point. So how I got that was training three times a day for seven and a half weeks, starving myself because I knew nothing about nutrition, by the way. I was boxing, doing weight training, doing sprints. I lost an incredible amount of weight. I think I lost 42 pounds in seven and a half weeks. I had this six pack, but I had this one quote. And that quote was almost like a kick up the ass, I suppose, for me saying to my dad. And it was, I do it because I can. I can because I want to. I want it because you said I couldn't. And I just remember that was my mantra. And I had it there for seven and a half weeks. And indirectly, I was using negative comments in my head to fuel me, even though I'm not that kind of person. It got me to the result. But again, the six pack wasn't the thing. I was, I was very proud of what I achieved in that time. Because I think it was the hardest I probably ever trained over a, over a set period of time. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it was a deeper reason, basically, for me doing that. But do you think it can become a compulsion then, in terms of training that much? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I just, 
I come at a time where I had a degree. Um, I'd done everything. I ticked off everything that my parents had asked me to do. And I wanted to box at 17 and I was picked up by um, great coaches saying I could be very, very good. Eight years later, I'm not very good. I'm overweight. I've got, I've lost a lot of my natural ability and I knew that I only had certain skill sets. So I had to kind of prove, I suppose, other people wrong and myself right as well in that moment. And I literally, I wanted to make sure there wasn't one excuse that somebody could say, well, actually, you never trained that day or you ate a packet of crisps that day or something. And, you know, my do- I didn't know much about nutrition. I stuck to 1,800 calories, which isn't a lot of calories when you're training three times a day. Mm. Uh, I was anemic. I used to pass out randomly and not understand what was going on. But I'd still make sure I was training 20 to 21 times a week. And I was really putting my life on the line. And yeah, I looked absolutely shredded. I wasn't internally in a great place. Um, it, it, was, it was a complete obsession. And I know now in hindsight, I'd never do that because one of the things I preach in training is sustainability um, because without sustainability, there's no consistency and you're going to get no results basically. But do you think from the nutritional perspective, do you think as a general populace, when people don't know about nutrition, they're easily, I won't say manipulated, but B, they don't know from a knowledge perspective, the pros and cons of of doing certain diets and what impact that's going to have on, on them long term. Yeah, absolutely. Everything's about how well you market it, I think, today. I hate fad diets. I hate, I hate, I, eat, I don't even like the word diet. I think it's about creating something that fits your lifestyle. If you're, obviously, if you're an athlete, you need to eat, eat in a specific way. But I think anything that has diet, it has a connotation of a kind of a start and a finish to it and set rules. So what I always try and work with my clients and what I do myself, because I suffered with binge eating for about three years and I had to get hypnosis for it. It really affected me like in my mental health as well is I create a diet now where I will, if for example, you're eating 2000 calories, the first thousand or 1500 is nutrient dense foods. It's not very calorific foods. It's foods to give you the energy. So your mind's right, your body's right, you're feeling right. So you're able to have that output where you need it. The other 500, it's pretty much what you want. Now I'm not saying that's the greatest idea in the world, but for me, having suffered with binge eating for the last seven, six, seven years, I haven't binged once because I'll have a pizza when I want to. I'll have four packs of crisps. I'll have three bars of chocolates. But the rest of my calories are all accounted for. And I'm training pretty much every day as well. And that's sustainability for me. That keeps my mind in a good place because there's no point going for that six pack or training if your mind's not right and you're not happy. The whole point is happiness in, in this journey. So there's a lot of ill information out there. I always try and preach that, but people don't believe it. People think they have one slice of pizza, they're going to instantly get fat. And that's what is scaremongering. It's all these fad diets. And I'm like, you're not. It's a piece of bread. It's got a couple of layers on it. Yeah, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but at the same time, it's not that bad either. I think it's obviously I'm on similar wavelengths in terms of that from where I like to educate people as well. But I think people are skeptical because it's like, well, how can I lose weight and still eat the foods that I enjoy? It's like, well, that's me to teach you how to to <laughs> to learn to be able to better manage things. Obviously, for some people, it's going to take longer than others. But ultimately, what is now become a diet is all about restriction. There's no difference between one. I think when people say, is this one better than the other? It's like ultimately no, because they're all restrictive and they're only on a short-term fix in terms of, yes, it will. I'm not saying they're not going to work because they will. Uh, Ultimately, you do them right. But have we got to the root cause? No. In terms of why, why are you acting in that way? In terms of be it habit, behavior, um, previous um, experience in life, be it childhood, uh, school, uh, etc., be it whatever circumstance that may have put you in that position of 
routinely looking at food as a way out, be it, you know, emotional eating, binge eating, uh, coping mechanism, which in a sense would encompass all of them. Why is that the case? And, and I look to pro people long before I even speak to them. Where, where do you want to be? In, where do you want to be in three to six months? What, what, what does it look, where does your vision or mission statement look like for you? ultimately long-term an athlete can use that the same way in terms of okay we look at the 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 results let's dissect the process what do you want to do from the small cadences to be able to improve i glossed over the fact of that and lost sight of that at at times in hindsight be nice to go back and be able to change that but i can't because i was focused on the result too much and sometimes you need to take that step back and kind of look at the bigger picture, and this is the same for everybody. What, what, what? Ultimately, do you want to be able to change long term and, and look at it like that? Like you said, like it's a it's a lifestyle. When people say to me, "Well, how are you able to eat this way?" It's hardwired into me from about eight years old. Yes, I've deviated off that because of of of, of the work commitments when I worked in education. I was looking for that quick fix energy because you were most of the time always run down. That's why I think for me as a coach now, it's very easy if somebody comes in from the teaching profession, I can push every single button because I've worked in that career. It's like, do you suffer with this? Do you, and the primary one is even easier, but because obviously you put it related back to the kids, uh, but the, if they're working in secondary school, it's like, is this okay? Bop, bop, bop. I won't even tell you I've worked in that. In the, if you've if you've been on my content on my Facebook longer, you'd have seen it. But if you're new in, you wouldn't have known I worked in that in that profession. So it's very much. I'm able to go even deeper in terms of you know the emotional state. Well, is your job impacting on your on your lifestyle as well? And then some some people probably say no, but it's like well, okay, let me probe a bit further then, because uh, I don't believe you. And looking at it from the base, and same same with on the athletic field. Is stresses in the classroom or at home impacting on your performance? You need to look at things like that. Be it yours with your parents. Yeah, absolutely. That could have, that could have had an impact on nutrition and overall well being because, uh, in a nutshell, you were saying, "Am I am I good enough?" Obviously, you go a step further now with social media. They're trying to teenagers are trying to compare themselves to what they see on Instagram. It's a scary place. It's a scary place. It's one thing that I try and be as authentic and raw with it. I actually released an episode today. Well, it's coming out tomorrow on perfectionism because everyone's trying to chase this, you know, being perfect. And it's not about that. It's about progress. And like you said, hindsight, you know, it's a wonderful thing. We learn from it. And I'm trying to just tell people like, even myself, I had somebody reach out saying, oh, you've got, you're, you're brilliant now. You're over anxiety. You sound amazing on a podcast. I'm like, mate, I've been editing it for four hours. I've had to change it because I'm conscious that if somebody comes onto my podcast and they hear me umming and ahhing, it's going to be a problem. And I still have those insecurities and those problems. And it was only when I released this, um, recorded this episode, sorry, this morning, I was like, I need to stop that. It needs to just be hundred percent myself and that's that's my own thing and i'm always on this self-development journey i openly say i'm trying to find my own voice and i was like i'm gonna leave it all in there and if somebody doesn't want to tune in because i sniff too much or i've always got a cold or i say the wrong words that's not my audience that's not the people i want to be representing but at least it's true and then people can see that 
you may be able to relate with my story or my guest story like yourselves and then hopefully they'll find that resonating message something that they can move forward in their life as well so yeah it's a great point no i you probably heard me to today do it it's oh what, what am i thinking from that word perspective i do it i leave it it's all it's all the only things i will edit i don't be pretty completely honest with people listening on this particular episode because they won't know is if it's a massive long pause and that's it be it i don't want to put the the guests in a position where people will think that oh he doesn't know what he's talking about it'd be okay it's that it's I've caught them off guard with that particular question. I'll condense it a little bit to take out that momentary pause. If you're watching the video it, in a video format, would probably the pause wouldn't be as bad because it's you can see the 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 person thinking. Whereas in in when the, you only hear the audio, you're thinking, okay, I've obviously stumped somebody because you can hear it's like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, and then they have to go and think about it. But I think it's going away from. If you look at YouTube, is a massive example of of copying and editing. You know where it, it kind of jolts. Absolutely, I think people are start, starting to become conscious. Well, okay, that's that's a mistake. And I think some I've watched, it'd be like ten times in a video, thinking, "What's wrong with you've made a a a, a, a gaff of something or a mistake or or, or a blooper?" Absolutely, I've even shared that. I made it. I did a testimonial for somebody. And I bought, I botched it up five times before I got the right one. And I and I shared it and I tagged it in. These are the ones previously. Uh, I think I swore in one because I tried to record it here, and I forgot it starts recording straight away. I was like, oh, I don't want to edit that. There you go, bin that one, uh, and then I moved it onto a different uh, app that I got on on the Mac. Made mistakes on that one, and I finally got it right. But I laugh and joke about it, and I made a post about it. In terms of, it is a form of the procrastination and perfectionism are closely linked. So it's, you've either got one or the other. Um, and if you've got the two together, it's even worse um, going simultaneously. But I think I was honest in terms of that post because I said, I think six months ago, that wouldn't have seen the light. That had gone straight in the trash. You would never have seen the day. It's like, here you go. This is the mistake. The the finished one that's perfect. I've always sent to the person that that needs it. But these are the mistakes. These are the bloopers. I've, I'm quite happy to kind of show and people. I said I kind of ask which is your favourite, and people say oh the one that's swearing. But that isn't out of character because I will curse occasionally. It's not it doesn't happen very often. Um, I know in live stuff is more difficult because radio you're not allowed to swear on live air. And I nearly, I think what we went uh, Wednesday, Monday, one on a, a local radio set, nearly did it. <laughs> it would have had a better, if I would have been allowed to say it, it had a greater impact by what I was saying. But I'm thinking, no, James, you can't say this word that you want to come out of your mouth, pick something else. And then obviously managed to catch myself, say something that wasn't uh, a swear word. And then I said to those after, I nearly swore. It was like that close. And, but, and then, it's never happened before. So I think it was that you're up here, yeah, yeah, you're having your point to say, and then you think, oh, no, no, no. the word I want to say cannot come out <laughs> and, 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 use, and use something. But I think, and he was saying, guests he's had it in the past, they've not been able to stop themselves in terms of they've said what's in their mind. Oh, this one is blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't remember what they It's only like a British swear word because it's a British person. But it was really, they had to kind of say, uh, unfortunately, we have to go to the break. 
and I'm going to have to ask you to leave because he said it was multiple times. So they obviously weren't listening to their to their prompt. But I think giving people a perspective of that and I think giving something of value now to, to the audience and the listeners is if that's normal to yourself to be like that and be obviously if it's not too yeah. explicit, be that because that's you that's you being your your true self in terms of people gonna really gravitate towards that and you're gonna alienate some people but that's but that's good because you're in that middle ground to be able to to polarize people in one direction or the other and then you are in a sense being your true self you're happy with yourself like you said and you're not putting a mask on to try and please everybody Absolutely. No, I think that's a great point i think the bloopers thing made me laugh because i creating a bloopers reel myself now. And I think what I'm going to do, because I, the reason sometimes I chop it is because you can get really cool moments where you can just switch from one angle to another. And I do a lot of chop changing. It's not necessarily my mistakes. Or sometimes I'll say a mistake and I'll do like a funky effect on it. But bloopers now, what I'm going to start doing is putting them at the end of every YouTube video or just have a separate video. Because again, like yourself, it's a self-reflection journey for myself. I recognize, you've mentioned it today. I've probably heard it about three or four times just this week alone, perfectionism and procrastination and I need to stop that I want to be that person who says what they do and do what they say so for now you're going to see all of my bloopers all of that stuff where I mess up and I say words I don't swear that much luckily but um I do a lot of like stupid things and sometimes I'll say words that when even when I'm listening back afterwards I'm like what the hell did I just say like I'll mix three or four words together especially when I get excited I start like speaking quicker. You just do like I do then, Aaron. I say I've made up a word and that's it <laughs> and move on. I don't think it, I don't think this is a word, but I'll say it anyway. And then that. you never know, it might end up in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try that one, mate. I love that. And just do that one. You just go, because I think um, if you speak to be like the older generation, they'll yeah. say, well, that wasn't a word five, ten years ago. And Pete, I think, trying to think of one. Trying to go, I'm not trying to go too much from time. Like hospitalization, that's not a word. It's an Americanization, but it's become into the English language. Which, um, and I think ultimately, I think that's where people need to be. It's like not afraid of, yeah, your bloopers. Obviously, you want to make it as clean cut as possible from a professional standpoint. But I think coming on this point where you you mentioned in terms of trying to steer away from procrastination and perfectionism you won't know in terms of, I think from a perfectionist standpoint till you put it out there. If you don't put it out there, obviously that's procrastination because it's sitting on a shelf. And I think you are only never to be hurting yourself because you don't know what the engagement is going to be like, or that you can't gauge it. It's like, well, you might as well put it out there. That's version one. You change it. Uh, I put out something more recently for because I more specifically work more with the amputee community and it's done better than I expected. And I've had people say, have you received it yet? It's like, come on, hang on a second. I didn't expect it to explode like it has done. <laughs> yeah. Can you not have a bit of patience in terms of, I think I was expecting probably like 10, 15 people wanted it. And I think it's upwards of 50. So it's, What's yeah. that about three times as many people as I thought? And and it's still day by day, occasionally on my feed alone, yeah. there's somebody new every day. So thinking, bear with me, let's have a little bit of patience, be a little bit old school, old school thinking of, of thinking it's coming. Yeah. 
but bear with me. And and obviously we, we probably, well, we're in a society that's completely the opposite anyway, but that's a different <laughs> subject altogether. But obviously we, we can have a thing at the click of the button. I'm not Amazon. So <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't have it right now. And it's a process to be able to see if I can, I'd be transparent with everybody to see if maybe the working with me would be a better course of action than the book. Cause ultimately, yes, the book will work, but working with me as in a group setting or a one-to-one might get you that result quicker. And somebody actually asked me, will I still obviously buy that behind the scenes? Will I get my book? Yeah, but I'll be transparent with you. If I, I think maybe by having to ask you a few questions, the, the, the alternative might be a better suit. If it's not, that's fair enough. And you'll still get the book. Uh, but that's the first person to kind of get me to be like really, really transparent to well, what are you doing with these questions? Like, I'm not gonna, I can't, I can, I could, I could lie, but I don't feel it ethically or morally proper to do that. This is the reason why I'm asking these questions. And ultimately, we'll go from there. I know some have been, you know, quick. Nope, I don't like these questions being asked. I just want the, okay, here you go, here you go. There's, there's, that's an issue in itself because obviously you don't want to open up. We can't fix the actual problem because you, you're not, you're not wanting to be vulnerable enough yeah. to solve the problem. But it's, it's not for me to say when and when, when and where people are uh, in the right place to start. Only you as the individual know that. And I think I've got better at that as time goes. So if it's not the right time, it's fair enough. I'll back, back off. And you can you, you can come to me or uh, ask questions. The door's always open and be like that. But obviously moving on, uh, my penultimate question to you, Aaron, then is if you had to sit down with any athlete, dead or alive, who would that be and why? Um, I'm, a, I'm a United fan. Um, I'm a big football fan. So it'd probably be um, Cristiano Ronaldo. I know probably he made his stuff in Madrid. But I feel like as a character, in terms of his mental strength and stuff, he made it at Man United. That's kind of our, our claim as a Man United fan. And more so, you hear about his story and stuff and how he's perceived online, but then you see the stuff behind him. I just, I admire obviously his, his technical ability, his physical prowess and all the stuff he does on the field. But I think it's that mindset aspect of him I find incredible. I think... When he came back from one of the Euros when he had an altercation with Wayne Rooney, I'm not sure if anyone's following football, and he come back into a team is very hostile for him, especially as British fans are very, very passionate. Um, sometimes we all, we get overexcited. And he came in and he almost had the greatest season of his life. And then he's just continued to push the boundaries. And when you see somebody at that level who's already achieved probably his wildest dreams, he's done everything he wants to just continue to move forward and forward, that, that amazes me. And I think obviously... I'm cheating a little bit here, but to add a second person is somebody who I don't follow massively, but obviously because of the horrific incident that happened this week, Kobe Bryant, he's somebody who I, the next day I was so emotional the next day. I mean, the world stood still and obviously there's people who adore him far and beyond, but he had times in my life when I was training or when I was exercising, I always pull on certain people and I'll always have listened to his interviews. And one of the things I'd always say from me is one of the hardest workers in the room, literally a bit like the rock. And when I have these role models, these blueprints that we spoke about earlier, there are so many sessions I can remember just having Kobe Bryant, some of his words or some of his sayings in the back of my head that have got me through it. So it almost felt like I lost a mentor there as well. And I just think it's not about 
necessarily being an athlete, but if you can take these traits that these regular people have, that perseverance, that belief that you mentioned, and then just keep going. And I just think it's incredible, especially when things aren't always going well as well. So cheating a little bit there, but I'd probably say those, both those two people. And I think I put that into context, obviously, the Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo one, because obviously, well, maybe an United fan as well. He was probably hated before he come back, but then obviously brought in, well, he's still one of ours. Yeah. And then from a Premier League standpoint, he was hated by everybody else. So I think he was looking to um, give back to obviously the belief that the United fans have, have instilled kind of by supporting him and obviously kind of go against the naysayers. Like, well, I don't care what you say. And I'm going to obviously prove prove you wrong and show my ability. So my final question to you, Aaron, then on, on that note is if you had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away. And this is the question I, I mentioned earlier in the episode, what would it be? Right. Um, bit of a difficult one, but I think we've touched on some amazing conversational points. I think I just want to encourage people to listen to ourselves, listen to how we've both conducted ourselves and the flaws that we've mentioned, the hindsight stuff that we've spoken about, perfectionism, procrastination and everything, and just recognize your own gifts and take it as encouragement that there's definitely a blueprint out there, whether it's Cristiano Ronaldo, Kobe Bryant, James Roberts, or even myself on a, on a, on a lower athletic um, pedestal, if, if that's what we want to call it. And just recognize that if the blueprint's out there, then you definitely have over a long enough period of time, as I always say, the ability to achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. So Aaron, once again, thanks for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Aaron and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Find Your Voice Podcast and at James O Roberts Eleven. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And additionally, if you had any questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out Aaron's podcast. Find Your Voice, as well as Health Excel, which I will link in the description. Uh, also, don't forget to, and to check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab Resources. But also not forget, and I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing in The Mindset Athlete. And one, especially for the amputees listening, I've also recently created a Facebook group called The Amputee Coach, Fitness and Nutrition for Amputees to help you lose 10 to 30 pounds. So make sure to check that out. The links will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.